for those keeping score at home, please note Matt's technical legal term, quote, big honking example, end quote, and use that going forward because that's what this is. So in addition, I guess maybe you summed that up greatly or very well. This is Tom Fox again. I know you will enjoy this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, where Matt and I take up the recent Bank of America enforcement action, which involved in part the bank setting up fake accounts, similar to the scandal which has bedeviled Wells Fargo over the past several years. We talk about the facts, what happened, and the remediation that Bank of America has agreed to going forward. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with the former coolest guy in compliance, now world traveler, Matt Kelly, for another episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. Welcome back to America, Matt. Thank you, Tom. It is good to be back home. Well, it was uh, great to have last week's pod with uh, you and Tim, uh, if not together, uh, at least in the the same geographic area. Uh, The arm wrestling was uh, certainly something that our listeners and uh, watchers greatly appreciated. Uh, To now, uh, we're back to, I would say, more mundane matters, but I don't even know whether this belongs in science fiction, fiction, fact, nonfiction, or other category, and that is the enforcement action involving Bank of America. Uh, Do you want to set the stage for us? Uh, You know, you can even set the stage in one sentence, junior varsity version of the Wells Fargo misconduct happening right at Bank of America. That That's really the headline here. Uh, this happened last week where the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, the OCC, which is the chief regulator for consumer banking in the United States, uh, both of them took action against Bank of America where Bank of America settled charges. They're not admitting or denying any facts here. But uh, civil charges paying $150 million or more, I think, in um, restitution and monetary fines for three big types of misconduct at Bank of America. Number one was a junk fees scheme where Bank of America had a policy of imposing a $35 fine anytime a customer's transaction was declined, but in practice, Uh, On many occasions, the bank imposed that $35 fee multiple times for the same decline transaction. Uh, Second type of offense that the regulators frowned upon was withholding promised cash and rewards points for new credit cards, where uh, basically Bank of America was trying to lure people in by saying, open an account online and you get these brand new frequent flyer miles, you get cash points and whatnot. But they were splitting hairs over you specifically had to open it online. And those customers who tried calling or who tried to do this in person at a bank branch, they were denied the points. And there basically are allegations here of duplicitous false advertising claims. That's the second big category. But, Tom, really, the showstopper here was the third big type of misconduct, which was employees at Bank of America 
opening credit cards for consumers without the consumer's knowledge or authorization so that those employees could hit sales quotas uh, for selling new products to consumers. And so they would open these credit card accounts and then close them later on, but they would be pulling credit reports for these consumers without the consumer's knowledge or consent. Um, That can affect your credit rating if it happens too often. Uh, They were opening these accounts, and then maybe there are going to be fees that are applied to the consumer. And again, none of this was uh, requested or or, allowed by or authorized by any of the consumers affected. And what struck me is that that is pretty much the same sort of misconduct that we have now all know about with Wells Fargo and its fake account scandal from the mid-2010s. Um, that was when the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau busted that out wide open in 2016. They hit Wells Fargo with a $185 million fine. Everybody was outraged. Congressional hearings, CEOs get fired. Um, many other types of misconduct at Wells then come to light. And we've all talked about Wells Fargo and its famous unauthorized account scandal for years. Well, while we were all talking about Wells Fargo for years... Um, Bank of America was doing the same thing, even as we all knew that this is serious. You should not do it. Regulators are going to flip out. And yet here, according to OCC and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, Bank of America was doing this as recently as into 2020. And the flawed sales incentive scheme that was driving employees to do this, Bank of America did not get rid of that until this year, 2023. After everybody with a pulse in banking and corporate compliance knew that unauthorized accounts, that is a big no-no, and you might very well go to the woodshed, and here Bank of America was apparently still doing it anyways. I just, that's it. You know, that really brings up a fabulous lesson for the compliance professional, every compliance professional in every industry. If you're in an industry and a competitor or Someone adjacent to you gets in trouble for any reason. You really need to look in-house. Um, do you find that message still resonates beyond the banking industry? Well, you know, this is a really good question, and it's a good philosophical point. Um, when I reported on this last week and then I posted it on LinkedIn, there were a lot of very cynical people who basically said, no, companies do not learn lessons from other companies. Um you know, clearly Bank of America should have. And I have no illusions that probably a lot of banks had a lot of this sort of stuff happening in the early 2010s. But I really did think that once this came to light at Wells Fargo in 2016, most other banks would have had the good common sense to look around and say, okay, we can't have this. If this is happening at our bank too, it has to stop now. Now being 2016 or 2017, not 2020. Um, And I just, you know, you have to wonder about that. But, Tom, one question I had right away was that these are civil charges filed by banking regulators. Will we see something similar from the Justice Department on the criminal side? And people are going back and forth on that. I think there are some questions about whether the fact pattern here is as egregious as what we saw with uh, what went on at Wells Fargo. And maybe the answer would be no. But then again, haven't we had the Justice Department also telling us for years that when they take an enforcement action against one of your peers, 
you should look at that and you should pay attention to it. And then that raises the standard for what people should be expecting from your company. How could this still go on into the late 2010s and possibly even into 2020 um, when everybody knew that this was serious misconduct? Look at Wells, one of Bank of America's main competitors, and yet essentially this is the same sort of misconduct and it was happening with the same sort of root cause, which was a flawed sales incentive. And by the way, that also reminds me, don't we have compliance department or compliance program guidance from the Justice Department saying, look at your incentive programs. Are they driving people to commit misconduct or are they driving people to embrace good conduct? Hasn't that been around for a long time now? And yet we still have Bank of America here having this this incident. And um, I, I don't know what to make of it, but you know, it really does point to you're supposed to be paying attention and not have this stuff happen when it's already been happening elsewhere. And again, here we are. So a lot to really unpack in that answer, obviously uh, focusing on the conduct of Wells Fargo, at least uh, as we were aware from 2016 forward in the public arena based upon the enforcement actions, starting with the state of California going through uh, the OCC and up through the Department of Justice, but also your, your thoughts on the incentive program. And now, actually, you got me to wonder, well, the DOJ's released, uh, the, let's start with the 2023 evaluation of corporate compliance programs. Obviously, people at Bank of America were going, well, that's FCPA-focused. Why do we need to worry about that? Um, and it really speaks to a very myopic view of the compliance resources that are available to to any compliance professional, whether it's the DOJ's evaluation of corporate compliance programs, OFAC's framework uh, for a compliance program, or even the Department of Justice's antitrust division, and a myriad of others. Uh, so the resources are out there. Uh, the incentives uh, program, it was the other thing that struck me. At first, when I read this, I thought, well, maybe this was just, well, someone rid me of this meddlesome priest go forth and conquer. Uh, but it was much more systemic and almost institutionalized through the incentive structure. Um, yes, it was. And I, that really, that's the part I keep coming back to because the incentive structure is going to be part of the control environment for the company. And um, that is set by senior executives, or at least they are supposed to be responsible for the control environment. So at what point would we have an incentive structure that is so misshapen or out of alignment, misaligned from the supposed corporate culture you want that you know, regulators, law enforcement, the Justice Department, I don't know, anybody, they're going to come around and look at senior management and say, how did you allow this to happen? Um, especially when you already had a big honking example of that sort of misconduct from one of your direct peers, and you should have known that this was not acceptable. And yet it lingered on for many years after the fact. Um, that strikes me as a big, important question that I would like to see somebody answer. Um, I don't necessarily know, even having said all that, that the facts here rise to the circumstance or the threshold that the Justice Department would take criminal action. But you know, 
If not, I would like some DOJ person to stand up at some conference somewhere and explain why not, because there are an awful lot of people now who will look and say that, okay, maybe we don't have to take this that seriously. DOJ isn't taking it seriously. Why not? It, from the outside, it looks like the same sort of thing at Wells Fargo. Now, at Wells Fargo, there were a lot of senior executives who either got fired or are facing civil charges at the least. Um, the head, former head of the Consumer Banking Division, I know that she's facing charges. The former head of the audit team and his deputy, they're looking at civil charges and they're contesting that. But um, are we going to see anything like that as well here with the Bank of America case? Uh, are we going to see this from other banks? Because like I said, I have heard before that lots of banks had this sort of issue going on, in, at least in the early 2010s. Um, so, you know, it's hard for me to square such a gigantic response to Wells Fargo and then a muted response to Bank of America when substantively this is the same sort of misconduct flowing from the same root cause, a flawed incentive program that was allowed to exist in this corporate culture that I'm sure said, oh, we would never do that. And yet we had an incentive structure that encouraged people or drove them to think, all right, I might as well do that. I don't know what the answer is, but it's a good question. So for those keeping score at home, please note Matt's technical legal term, quote, big honking example, end quote, and use that going forward uh, because that's what this is. So in addition, I guess maybe uh, you summed that up greatly or very well, but uh, I would hope that every financial institution from a BOA size all the way down to a local institution will take this to heart and, and look, number one, uh, to see if we have this problem, but to also consider these um, incentives that you're putting in front of your sales team going forward because they seem to give you a very big honking example of what not to do. Yeah, that's an, another good point, Tom, that I don't know what other third bank might be in line to get sanctioned like this. But at this point, now you have two big examples and you can't ignore that. So like the more this goes on, the more pressure there would be for the next bank who might be implicated in something like this. You're going to have you know, less and less space to hide and say, I didn't know that this was going on or, you know, we didn't think this was a big material deal. Like, don't kid yourselves, people. Um, you need to pay attention to this. Uh, there were some interesting compliance program reforms that Bank of America has also committed to that I do think are worth discussing here, Tom, if I can go through some of those. You bet. Well, first, I, what I thought was interesting was Okay, so they had this flawed incentive program that was driving employees to do these unauthorized accounts. Uh, that was discontinued in 2023, I think at the start of this year. But as part of its settlement terms, Bank of America also has agreed that it will not use an incentive program like that for at least another three years. Um, I'm not quite sure I followed the logic there that it was a flawed incentive program that shouldn't have existed, so we dismantled it, and now we promise we won't have it for at least three years. So then what? In 2026, you're going to bring it back? I, I don't get why there's a time limit on this or how they might reform this incentive program. But anyways, at the very least, they have agreed to discontinue the use of this incentive program for a while. 
they also have to come up with a compliance plan within 90 days to assure that the credit card opening processes that the bank's employees use, um, that they will be able to capture consent and documentation from all customers that, yes, I am applying for a credit card, and yes, you may use my consumer uh, credit report. You may pull that report. You may look at my personal data. Side tangent here, let's just say if this kind of stuff happened in Europe, I can only imagine how much the GDPR regulators would hit the roof. But back here in the U.S., back onto my main tangent. Um, So there's going to be a lot of documentation that has to happen here. And so you would have to think through how will the compliance program assure that those documentation procedures are in place? Are they working well? Are they collecting all the proper consumer consent documentation we need? Um, They are going to have to use data analytics or other means available, quote unquote, to be able to identify customers financially harmed by either the unauthorized accounts or the junk fees. Um, And then they're going to have to prove what that harm was and what sort of restitution we will now provide to these harmed consumers. Uh, So yet again, you'd have to think through, do we have those data analytics capabilities? Bank of America is a big bank. I have no doubt that they probably do, but not every company does. So it's interesting to see that data analytics capability is now being woven into an enforcement action. Um, And then eventually, I think within about six or nine months or so, the internal audit team at Bank of America will need to follow up and be sure that the compliance plan to rectify all of these past practices Uh, that the compliance plan is sufficient, it is robust, it's being executed on time. Um, Lots more reporting to Bank of America's board about this. Uh, So, you know, there's a lot that is going on to clean up this mess. And how much has Bank of America already implemented that versus it still needs to? I'm not entirely clear on that, but within 90 or 180 days, there's going to have to be a lot that goes on to prove to regulators and consumers and others, I assume, that these past practices are, in fact, now in the past and not still happening. Matt, it also strikes me you're pointing out that this is the second enforcement action may lead to regulators coming knocking on a lot of doors or, conversely, whistleblowers saying, hmm, I wonder if there's something in this for me. Uh, So I think banks should start looking quickly. I think that is a good point about the whistleblowers, and certainly, you know, large banks are no strangers to bank examiners showing up to review the compliance program every year. But I also would suspect that when those examiners come around, this is something that they will be looking at now. I mean, I, I you know, one thing that's un- unclear to me is how regulators became aware of this misconduct. Um, I don't know whether it came about because bank examiners found it. I don't know if there was a whistleblower or some other sort of um, spark that lit the fire here. But uh, for other banks, large and small, or other, you know, plenty of retailers who also offer some sort of credit card or customer rewards program, um, also that, you know, could conceivably fall under CFPB jurisdiction, uh, you need to start thinking through do we have these issues? because clearly the CFPB is you know, not happy with them and uh, they are on a bit of an enforcement kick around it. So I don't know that this is going to go away. Matt, that seems like a good point to end this episode. I can't wait to see what next week brings us. Thank you, Tom. 
This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the award-winning Compliance into the Weeds. We've linked to Matt's blog posts on this topic in the show notes. I hope you will check out the blog posts for more information. I also hope you will listen to some of the new podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network. We premiered a podcast uh, with Richard Blundell on sustainability, the business opportunity of the 21st century, Fox on podcasting, where I take a meta look at podcasting and compliance in AI. We are also developing some additional new shows, which will premiere in July. It's quite an exciting time on the Compliance Podcast Network. If you'd like to be a part of the Compliance Podcast Network, please give me a shout. I'm available at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to visiting with you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.